BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV, and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off-limits. When Sunny was about four months old, I started sharing on social media all the issues I was having with his sleep situation. I didn't know if I should be getting him on a schedule. I didn't know if I should be sleep training. I just had no idea what was going on. Luckily, Alana McGinn, the creator of the Good Night Sleep Cleanse, reached out to me and has been my savior for all things sleep the past two years. Any question I have about sleep for Sunny and for Timmy and I, I go to her. I do exactly what she says and it works. Honestly, Sunny now takes a two to three hour nap every day and sleeps 12 hours every night. She is the mom of three, so she gets what it feels like to be a mom and especially to be a mom without a lot of sleep. She resides in Ontario, Canada, and you guys have to follow her at Goodnight Sleep Site. She gives so many great tips, and she also hosts a top-rated This Girl Love Sleep podcast. And she and her team of good night sleep consultants help families around the world, from babies to adults, sleep better and get the sleep health they deserve. You guys are going to love this episode, and you are definitely going to get the tips you need to have a restful night of sleep tonight. Alana is joining me from, where are you, Alana? Somewhere in Canada. I'm in Toronto. You're in Toronto right now. Okay, so unfortunately, Alana is not sitting across from me today, but I had to get her on because she is the reason why we have healthy sleep schedule in my family, both Timmy and my sleep schedule and Sunny's especially, which is super important. So welcome, Alana. Thank you for having me. Of course. Alana has helped me get through every single phase of Sunny's sleep issues. We connected over Instagram. You can check her out on Goodnight Sleep Site. And she has basically walked me through all the different ages and all the different steps that I needed to take in order to get Sunny to sleep. I do want to dig into baby sleep, but I thought it would be really important for a lot of people out there who don't necessarily have babies to just talk about good sleep practices in general and help people setting up 
themselves for success in the bedroom. Does that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe absolutely. not so you mean ultimate adult, adult sleep tips. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. You know, this is a time of year where we really kind of start talking about adult, well, sleep tips in general for the whole family, but because, you know, we're going into the summer mm-hmm. and routines tend to slide a little bit more, um, it's really important to kind of make sure that we're really prioritizing our sleep, even when we, we, we're going to be tending to stay up later, maybe sleeping in a little bit more. So for adults, you know, given the season that we're going into, uh, wherever you live, you know, that are listening to this, mornings tend to be a little bit brighter and evenings tend to be a little bit lighter and, you know, outside is a little noisier. So really focusing on creating a great sleep environment helps for sure. So darkening up the room as best you can. And this goes for our kids too. So really this can be applied to all ages, Mm -hmm. you know, darkening up the room as best you can to get that melatonin flowing, right? Melatonin, that's our natural sleep hormone. That's what kind of helps our body get prepared to sleep. So things like eye masks or, you know, uh, blackout panels or whatever you need to do to make that room nice and dark. Um, Using things like earplugs or white noise machines, anything to kind of drown out some of those external sounds and clearing out the clutter. You know, in the winter, I find our room becomes our catch-all and becomes our home office. It becomes our kids' playroom. It becomes, you know, we're doing everything in our room but sleeping. So making sure that you're really creating that sleep sanctuary, you know, and making it as inviting to sleep as possible. That's actually one of the more important things that I found necessary. When I go to sleep or get in bed and the room is a mess, I feel my level of anxiety rises. And there is really something to be said about having a tidy room. And I know it is hard, like the benches beside our bed are like our new closets or we throw everything and you know Timmy works in our bedroom so there's a desk in there that he actually keeps quite tidy but it is hard to separate that and I think that it is so important to keep your bedroom as your sanctuary and the place that sleep is the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, you want to create that positive sleep association, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're, we're our, our lives are so busy and our brains are so busy as is. So if you're walking into your room and you're, it's making your brain even busier, that's mm-hmm. what we want to avoid. So having that nice calming environment is just going to create a calming setting and, and help you fall asleep a lot easier. So is there a specific temperature we should be falling asleep at? I remember you saying for sunny, it was 68 degrees, but I wanted to know for adults, what would be ideal? It's, I mean, this is cooler is always better. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard for me to give an exact number because it really depends on the individual, but we all sleep better in a cooler environment. It doesn't have to be freezing cold by any means. And I mean, in saying that some people probably, probably prefer a warmer environment, but you know, we all tend to sleep better in that cooler environment, whether that means, you know, you might have to change what you're wearing to bed or, you know, the sheets you're sleeping on, the temperature itself in your room, whether the window needs to be open or closed, you know, you have to do what works best for you and what helps you fall asleep a lot easier. Right. And what about screens before bedtime? What do you advise with that? Phones, TVs, is there a specific shutoff time? We shouldn't be looking at these things? We tend to recommend a tech curfew. So at least 60 minutes before going to bed, 90 minutes if you can do it, that's even better, but I know that's hard. (laughs) Um, Really getting away from screens because a few things happen. One is, you know, being in front, you remember I mentioned like melatonin. So that's our natural sleep hormone. And that's largely released by external environment. So when it's nice and dark, that's when it's released. So it's like having that sleep switch on in our brain, off or on. And when we're in front of that bright screen, we're tricking our brain into thinking that it we need to be awake. So the sleep switch gets turned off, which is what we don't want. So, you know, making sure we're getting away from that bright screen, but then also what are we reading or what are we listening to before we go to bed? We were talking about, you know, 
anxiety and things like that, you know, whether it be on social media or whether it be reading the news, whether it be any of these things, I mean, that's just going to heighten any kind of anxiety, FOMO that you're feeling in that moment, right? Right. Which is not going to allow you to fall asleep. So in my opinion, that's probably our biggest sleep buster and really clearing off your night table and removing all tech Mm -hmm. for kids and for adults super important. Yeah. I mean, for me, I have to fall asleep with the TV on, but it just works for me. I've never really had an issue falling asleep. However, if I'm watching something, it either has to be really kind of boring or, or lighthearted, nothing dramatic, nothing with a lot of action, something that will just kind of soothe me. Um, Yeah. I mean, in saying that there's a lot of great too, like podcasts, meditation apps, like Mm -hmm. all these things. So yes, for the most part, we want to remove tech, but there is some tech that that can actually help us sleep better. Right. For sure. And then what about like safe and effective sleep meds? Lately, I've been taking some melatonin and I recently got these CBD tranquility pills that I take in tandem with the melatonin and they seem to be helping me fall asleep and stay asleep. Are there any other things you recommend? So, I mean, in terms of melatonin, I mean, I feel like, you know, I'm, I tend to be more on the side of it's not necessary. And the reason why that is, is because I, we have to understand that melatonin is a hormone. It's not a vitamin. It's not a mineral. It's a hormone that our body naturally produces. And it's very rare for you to be deficient in melatonin. So, uh, you know, always start with a great way to, again, get that melatonin going is looking at the environment around us and, you know, again, keeping things nice and dark and preparing yourself to sleep. I feel like people are kind of going more towards melatonin now because it's so easily accessible. It's just over the counter. And people kind of associate it with a sleeping pill, like a sleeping aid, whereas it doesn't actually make you drowsy to fall asleep. Melatonin, the the hormone melatonin actually just prepares your body to sleep. So it can work really well for those who travel a lot through time zones, if you're having any kind of circadian rhythm disorders, anything like that. But if you're just suffering from sleep issues and having trouble falling asleep, it's not the first thing I would go to. Not enough studies have been done on CBD, although it's something that I'm researching up a lot about and something that I would probably recommend over melatonin because there has been studies to show that it definitely helps with things like calming the mind, anxiety, things like that, which in turn obviously can help you sleep better. And there's different forms that you can take. Mm-hmm. Going with just foods, again, like magnesium, that would be a supplement that I would definitely recommend. That could be taken in supplement form or just it through the foods that you eat. Um, I would always recommend magnesium over melatonin. Okay. That's really good to know. And then are there any, you were talking about apps or mantras or meditations. What are some of the things that we can rely on when we are not being able to fall asleep or we wake up in the middle of the night and our brains are running and we need something to calm us down? I mean, I know people have told me to do this like breathe in for five seconds, breathe out for five seconds Mm -hmm. and continually do that. And sometimes I do that. And then within you know, a minute I have forgotten to do it and my mind has wandered to something else. So the Calm app is a great one, C-A-L-M. That is probably one of my favorite meditation apps. Um, And there's different different, uh, levels of that app. Um, So that is one that I definitely recommend. Listen, meditation can be hard and it's not something that happens overnight. And it's not something that you have to master. So for instance, for me, for meditation, I'm a walker. I've always liked to walk. I've gone for walks since I was a teenager. That's how I meditate, but I can't meditate. I can't go for a walk in silence. I either need 
words. Like I need to drown out my brain with more words. <laughs> so right. if my brain's really noisy, I need to either, if I'm really stressed out, I need to put on like a podcast or I need other people's words to drown out my voices, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, or music. If I'm in a good space and I just need to go for a walk and just clear my head, music is what helps me. So find what helps you relax best. Um, it doesn't, you don't have to necessarily be in complete silence and still, but that is also a form of mindfulness and meditation and bringing yourself just into that present state. So if you find that you're waking up, you're having a hard time falling back asleep. As you mentioned, mindful breathing, in my opinion, is probably one of the best things to learn. And there's so many different breathing techniques that you can learn. Mm -hmm. uh, don't be too hard on yourself. Like you said, if you do it and you forget to do it, like it takes practice. It's, it's learning something and incorporating it into your life so that it's, you, you do it with like breathing without even thinking, but that takes time. So just slowly learn how to do it and incorporate it through t different times throughout the day, not just at bedtime. If you can't sleep and you're tossing and turning in bed, it's okay to get out of bed, do a quiet activity. Don't turn on every light. Don't check your email, but maybe in dim light, read a couple chapters in an actual book, not an e-reader or, mm -hmm. you know, do a puzzle and then try to get back into bed again so that you're again, strengthening that association between getting into bed and falling asleep. So you're not it's not, you're not tossing and turning for too long and watch the clock watching. That's one thing I always say, set your alarm, turn your clock around. You don't need to know what time it is. Cause what Ugh, happens is that. you wake up. Yeah. We I all do that. it. Right. It's and then so you're counting down in your head. Oh, mm -hmm. I go to sleep now. I have two hours. If I right. go to sleep now I have an hour that causes stress. So mm -hmm. turn your clock around. You don't need to know, you know, your alarm's going to go off. So there's different things you can do, but everything takes time. It's changing habits. So it doesn't happen overnight. And what are some of the breathing techniques that you said? Can you maybe give us one or two of the mindful breathing techniques? Yeah. The one, one that I really like, it's um, from Dr. Andrew Weil. It's the four, seven, eight. So um, you, you do three, I think it's three or four reps and it's breathe in for four, mm -hmm. hold for seven and breathe out for eight. Okay. Um, and you can do that three times, three to four times. I wouldn't recommend doing it more than that because you can kind of get a lightheaded yeah. by doing it, yeah. but just do it like three times a day. And it, and actually studies have shown that it, it very quickly, uh, reduces your heart rate, calms your mind, calms your body. And that's an easy one to remember. So four, seven, eight, breathe in for four, hold for seven and breathe out for eight. That's one that I, I tell a lot of my clients to use. We have a lot of our kids using it too, mm -hmm. but there's so many, even with our little kids, like there's so many ones where, you know, with them, it's, it's harder to explain the breathing in and the holding. So, right. you know, just have them lie down on the ground, have a little stuffed animal on their tummy so that they can see the stuffed animal moving so that they're getting in that belly breath. And it's not that diaphragm, diaphragm breath, which is what we want to avoid. Right. So, right. There's so many out there that you can use. Okay, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Do you recommend any kind of tea, like a sleep tea, a calm tea, anything in that regard that we can actually drink? So, I mean, I don't, I, 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 to be honest, I don't tend to recommend like a lot of like supplements and teas. I do think that there are, I am a big believer in there are certain scents like lavender and, you know, uh, aromatherapy oils and mm -hmm. teas that you can drink that help. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that any of these products are the be all and end all. You know, I right. think that you, if you incorporate it, if you put a sleep plan together, whether it be for you, whether it be for your child, I believe that it's a tool that you can add, but I don't. There's probably other steps that you need to take, most, mostly lifestyle changes that you need to make to really better your sleep. So absolutely, like there's great chamomile teas and obviously non-caffeinated -caffe teas and different um, herbs and things that you can include. But 
you know, it's not to say just by drinking this tea, you're automatically going to sleep better. Right. I'm not a believer in that. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think people are a lot of the time looking for band-aids to put on top of these yeah. sleep issues when it's really about thinking big picture, looking at your whole routine, looking at your environment and making small changes. Yeah, absolutely. So a uh, question that I have is what is a good amount of time for sleep? Like I kind of need eight hours a night in order to feel rested. And and that makes me feel like a baby because that's a lot I know. And it's not always going to happen. And I I want to like kind of level my expectations a little bit because I get upset with myself or my surroundings if I don't get that much sleep. So what's a good amount of time that we can be happy with? Well, I mean, on average, you're looking at seven to eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. So that should always kind of be our goal. But like you said, I mean, life happens. It would be great. Like we can't always get that. I mean, even I have nights where I'm not sleeping well, or I don't go to bed when I should go to bed and and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I always say, you know, practice that 80, 20 rule where 80% of the time, and again, this goes for adults and kids really be protecting the amount of sleep that you should be getting. So those seven to eight hours of sleep, protect your environment, protect your sleep patterns and schedules. 20% of the time life happens. You're going to have late bedtimes. You're going to want to sleep in, you know, kids are going to have missed naps. Like all of these things happen. But if you're 80% 80% of the time really protecting your sleep health as a family and whole, you can remain well rested without accumulating a, a huge sleep debt. Right. Um, so don't, you know, don't be too hard on yourself when you can't get those eight hours. But if you can regularly get those eight hours, I mean, that's great. Okay. Amazing. Good to know. Yeah. So I wish I knew you before I brought Sunny home because there was so much <laughs> that I should have prepared for and needed to know in those first couple months of having him. So I want to get into the baby portion of this. Before bringing baby home, as we're all nesting and preparing the nursery, what are some of the key things that we need to remember in terms of creating a safe sleep environment for our babies and the things that we should have in our crib or not have? Yeah, and I think that that is probably really, I mean, in that fourth trimester, really parents in terms of sleep, um, really the main thing that parents are focusing on and not being too hard on themselves with everything else, but really making sure they're creating that safe sleep space. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, really all you need, whether that means that baby's in your room. So if you have like a bassinet or crib in, in parents' room, or if baby's in their own room, all you need is, you know, a crib, fitted crib sheet, you know, you don't need all the bells and whistles, like bumpers and stuffed animals and all of those things. And really just clearing out the crib and making sure it is that safe sleep space. Um, watching also things like things you wouldn't even think about, cords for monitors or cords from blinds, if they're around the crib that baby can easily kind of bring into the crib. I'll be honest, we're seeing now a lot more of, you know, there was just the Fisher-Price Rock and Play sleeper that was mm-hmm. just recalled. We're seeing a lot more recalls on on things that parents are using that are unsafe, things like the napping pods and things like that, that um, we see all over Instagram that so many families are using that really aren't creating that safe sleep. Yes, they make a really pretty Instagram picture, but I think it's really important that this is not a safe sleep product for your baby to sleep in. So really just do your research and you can do this before even bringing baby home while you're still pregnant, you know, making sure that you're really setting up that safe sleep space and making sure that the 
products that you're using, which really should just be crib or bassinet, you know, a flat surface for baby to sleep on really is, is safe and, and certified. And, you know, it passes through um, for the state's American Academy of Pediatrics and for Canada, Canadian Pediatric Society, their safe sleep guidelines. Mm-hmm. I remember getting a mobile, it had music on it and it rotated. Is this something that is safe or do you not recommend having any kind of hanging thing over the crib? I would prefer to clear out that area in its entirety as okay. best you can. Okay. Mobile more so. I mean, if it's if it's attached securely, I mean, it's not really a safety issue that I'm concerned about. Obviously, if baby, once baby gets old enough where a baby can like reach out and grab it, it could be, but you know, in those first couple of months, not so much. That's more of just more of the distraction, you know, is baby going to be too, they're so easily overstimulated in those first couple of months that we don't want to add in any kind of stimulating items that will not allow baby to fall back, fall asleep. Right. I will say as a tip, and obviously this is no judgment towards the moms that decided to keep their babies in their rooms in a bassinet for a while, but we put Sonny in his crib immediately when we got home and we had the camera set up, the monitor set up. And so I feel like because we did that early on, we were just comfortable with it from the get-go and we didn't have to have the difficult transition of taking him from our bedroom to the crib. So obviously, you know, it's such a personal choice, but I will say that it's something that worked for us and that if you feel comfortable doing, to not question yourself and to do that, right? Absolutely. I mean, we work with a lot of families who – you know, even when we're working throughout like a sleep training or sleep learning plan, who continue to room share. Now, mm-hmm. room share meaning um, baby is sleeping in the room, like I said, in a separate environment. So bed sharing, you know, this is where parents really need, if they're choosing to make that family step and having a family bed, there are safe sleep practices to bed share. And where we see Unfortunately, we see infant deaths or we see, you know, a dangerous situation being created is when we're what we call reactive bed sharing. And we've all been guilty of it. Those have had a baby is you just want that last hour of sleep. So you're pulling baby into bed or you're pulling baby onto the couch. You're falling asleep with baby. That's when things can get really dangerous. So it's really, really important to, again, look to the American Academy of Pediatrics, look to the Canadian Pediatric Society or wherever you live and look at their safe sleep practices um, and really do your research on safe sleep. Okay, very helpful. Baby comes home. Hopefully you've created a really safe and soothing environment for us. We did blackout shades. We had the Zenergy sound machine that we still have and take with us wherever we go. And the one thing that I didn't really think about was what was his schedule going to be? And so I remember talking to my mom and her saying, there's really no schedule at the beginning. You know, it's just like the baby sleeps when they want to sleep and they're up when they want to be up and they feed when they want to feed. And, you know, there's really no schedule. And it wasn't until he was, I think, about three months that we got him on an actual schedule. So what would you advise for for parents that have just brought their babies home, how, uh, what should they do? What should they expect? It seems like there's really not, it's hard, too hard to have expectations because the baby's so unexpected. You know what I mean? Like the baby's needs and wants are so unexpected. 
Well, I mean, I'm going to say, I think what I actually said to you, because I think I spoke to when we first started talking, you know, uh, Sunny was in that fourth trimester yeah. and take the pressure off, you yeah. know, listen, as much as I say, do your research on safe sleep, you're reading, you know, people are reading so much information from on the internet or from books or listening to what their mom's telling them. They're listening to people like me speak. And they're thinking that this all needs to be applied from day one. And it doesn't, you know, in that fourth trimester, there's really no rules. So meaning from zero to four months of age, really the, the main things you should be sleeping on a sleep environment, which we just spoke about mm-hmm. watching those wakeful periods. So there's no like clock based schedule at this stage, meaning those set bedtimes, set nap times, set bedtimes. Right. And we tend to put so much pressure on ourselves and think, oh my God, if I'm rocking my baby to sleep at this age or feeding my baby to sleep, like I'm doing something wrong and you're not, mm-hmm. you know, Your goal is really just to keep baby as consistently fed as possible, keep baby as consistently rested as possible, really work if you're breastfeeding, making sure that you're creating a, you know, that positive breastfeeding experience for both you and baby or bottle feeding, however you're feeding baby. And then once baby gets closer to that four months um, age, you can start maybe working with more set times. So set wake times, set nap times, set bed times. But before then, there's nothing that parents are doing in that stage that can't be undone or can't be changed down the road if need be. So just again, make sure those wakeful periods aren't too long so that baby's not getting overstimulated and overtired, making sure you're setting up that sleep environment. Really, those are the only two things that should be done at that stage. Right. And that's okay. Totally. And like in that fourth trimester, zero to four months, what kind of a wake time is too long for them? Yeah, I know that's great. So around two months of age, I normally say like try like an up one down two. So, you know, up an hour down two. I know the down two might be really hard um, because maybe baby isn't taking those two hour naps, but if you just focus on the up an hour, so like this is where you're really watching the cues. You're not looking at the clock. You're not looking at certain set times, but you're watching baby's cues. So when baby starts showing those tired signs, that's when you want to start getting baby down and baby might only be able to go 45 minutes to an hour. And that's okay. Like there's you know, really at that age, your baby's kind of eating and sleeping a lot. Right, right. <laughs> that's really all. That's I remember all even they... you saying that, like, all he does is sleep. But that's <laughs> what they need at that age, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, and yeah. you should be so lucky if all they're doing is sleeping, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Okay. I mean, that's that's helpful. I think it's still hard because every day is different and we're so used oh, to structure sure. and routine in our lives that to have every day different and to not know what to expect is unsettling for a new mom or dad, but it's definitely something that we have to learn to be patient with. Around four months, would you say then, is when people can start thinking about sleep training or is that more just about the time when you start getting on set schedules? So anywhere between four to six months of age, you can start putting together a formal sleep training plan. So meaning, you know, when we talk about sleep training at Goodnight Sleep Site, we have what we call our four key sleep tools. So often when you think of sleep training, you're just thinking of the method, right? And I know we have the discussion, like, do we do cry it out? What, like, do we not do cry it out? Yeah. What method do we do? When really the method is just one part of the process and really the smallest part of the process. So around four months of age, you can start If you haven't already, again, going back to sleep environment, because that's the first tool, making sure it's a good sleep environment, conducive, safe, consistent, and then naps. So now we can start scheduling naps a little bit more, making sure baby's sleeping well throughout the day, because that's going to help them fall asleep and sleep more restfully throughout the night. 
focusing and then on bedtime, so age-appropriate bedtime, making sure if we don't already, and that's one thing that you can start from day one is having a nice, consistent bedtime routine, a nice, consistent wind-down routine, and you can do that from the day you get home with baby, um, and then focusing on the methods. So between four to six months of age, you can start putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and start working with that 24-hour plan. Right. Okay. And then for, for specifically the sleep training, I remember that just like as you said, the sleep training is one piece of the puzzle, but how you put them to sleep and how they're napping is a really, really huge part of the puzzle. And for me, I think the thing that helped the most in terms of training Sunny, if you will, was having him self-soothe and fall asleep on his own. So I think for the first three to four months, we were like rocking him to sleep or shushing him to sleep. And then when I got in touch with you, it was all about, okay, try to get him to sleep awake and teach him or have him teach himself how to put himself to sleep. And we did that for naps. And Mm -hmm. so because we did that for naps, he was then more comfortable doing it at the nighttime sleeps. And now he does that every time. I mean, we, we, he never falls asleep in our arms. We put him awake in his bed all the time. And I think that has been a really, really huge lifesaver for us. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest obstacle, you know, like when we hear the term sleeping through the night, you know, and, and new parents are constantly asked that, Oh, is he sleeping through the night yet? Right. (laughs) Right. Through the night yet? Right. No, they're not. Um, (laughs) But we, none of us sleep through the night. You know, we wake up throughout the night. Our kids wake up throughout the night. Babies wake up throughout the night. It's, it's the ability to have those independent sleep skills in place. So to the ability to be able to fall asleep on their own when they do wake up throughout the night, because we all cycle in and out of deep and light sleep. So to me, that is sleeping through the night. When your child no longer needs you to feed them to sleep, rock them to sleep, put in a pacifier to sleep, use any kind of external prop, that's sleeping through the night, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that takes time and it's it's important to to put that plan together and, and work on everything all at once, not just one little bit here or there, because sometimes that doesn't work either. Right. But, you know, once baby's old enough to do it, most of the time, you know, I shouldn't say most time, all of the time, your child is capable if, if mom and dad are ready. And that's right. really the biggest, the biggest thing. And that's something that even, you know, you and I talked about at the time too, right? It's Sunny's ready, but you have to be ready to do it, you know? Totally. So, and it's okay if you're not in the beginning, like you have to take it on when you're ready to take it on. So why four to six months then? So why are some, some babies just too small to do it at four months or what's the, what is that two month period that's delaying it? Well, it's it's looking at their natural circadian rhythm. So mm-hmm. making sure that their rhythms are developed. So we all have, you know, a natural 24-hour biological clock, right? So we want to make sure that that clock is what's developing. And be, prior to that, in that fourth trimester, their clock isn't really developed yet. And I think probably this is parents, new parents' biggest mistake is they start too soon. They start too early trying to get those set nap times and set wake times. But baby just isn't biologically ready to do that yet. So nothing comes together and then they get discouraged and they give up and therefore sleep training didn't work, right? Right, so, right. So, you know, making sure that baby is old enough and developed enough um, to take on that set schedule or more of that plan, you'll have more success with it for sure. Right. And that's something you basically can just ask your pediatrician, right? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I tell all parents at that fourth month um, checkup, we have it in Canada. I'm assuming you guys have the four month checkup in the States as well. Yes. Um, uh, just making sure that, you know, is baby thriving, healthy, weight gain's good. Um, all of those boxes, I always say, check all your boxes. All those boxes are checked. Sometimes just by getting the okay from the doctor, we want to go in. We want parents to go in as confident as possible. So 
you know, just by getting the, the okay from the doctor gives them that confidence to take on that plan. Totally. And then yeah. getting to the big sleep training situation, you know, you told us we could do kind of like the ripping off the Band-Aid version, which was yeah. having him cry it out and just seeing how long we, we could take it. Or we could do like the check-in method where we're first letting it happen for 15 minutes and then going in. And, and we chose the ripping the Band-Aid off just because you gave us the confidence to know that Sunny could handle it and mm-hmm. we just believed you and went for it. So yeah, let us know what are some of the methods we can we can do if we don't necessarily feel comfortable with the cry it out. Yeah, I mean and, and that's I, I like that you're asking me that because there is so many methods out there and I think it's so important for parents to know that is that cried out is not the only route to take right. and that means extinction so that would be not going in the room unless you have a scheduled feed or or something like that but there's so many methods out there that you can use ones like a gradual check so that I, this is kind of very similar to like a ferber style method where you're going in through interval times there is one that has even more parental involvement where it's um what we call the chair method where you're sitting in a chair beside the crib so you're in there the entire time baby's awake and and then you're slowly kind of removing your presence um, and gradually fading out your presence throughout the night. So you have to, you have to do your research and choose a method that works best for your parenting philosophy for sure. And there's so many different methods that will apply to it, but you have to choose the method that also works best for your child. So I always say, if you're not sure, start as gradually as you feel comfortable doing so, and then get more direct. If you have to, you might not have to get direct. And the, the times that we have to get more direct is when sometimes if we're too gradual in the method that we choose, meaning we're too, there's too much parental involvement, that can actually reset our kids. So because no matter what you're doing, whether you're in the room sitting in a chair or whether you're going in through time checks or whatever you're doing, you're still not responding how baby or child is used to you responding. So, you know, if baby's used to you going in, giving a feed and putting down or rocking to sleep or bouncing on a ball to sleep or whatever you're doing, we're still taking that away, but now, but you're still in the room. So there still likely will be some crying. It's very hard to find a method where there's absolutely no crying because the crying is really stemming from the changes and, and the change in how you're responding to child. So if by you being there, but not responding to the baby, how babies used to, that can actually reset baby, right? So then we have to go with a more direct approach. So you can always start gradual, tweak along the way and get more direct if you have to. You have to make sure that you're working as a team. And I've said this to you so many times, like that's what I loved about working with you and Tim is that you guys are a team. Like you guys are, you know, I never had to question, you know, what you chose he was on board with and what he chose you were on board with. Cause you know, I mean, the support of each other is so important. So you have to go in it as a team. You have to sit down, create a plan, create a, choose a method that really works best for both of you. But at the end of the day, that really works best for baby and what baby's going to respond to best. Totally. And sometimes it's hard to know because the baby's so little, you don't know what the baby's going to respond to. But exactly. you really just have to trust your gut and your intuition on this. Like, for some reason, there was just something in me that knew that Sonny would be able to handle it and he would and would respond to the just cried out method. And that's what we did. And a lot of people judged us for it. But Timmy and I just stayed strong in our conviction and went for it. And within three nights, he was sleeping through the night, 12 hours a night. So yeah, no, he did great. Yeah. And you guys did great. I mean, uh, you know, he couldn't have done it without you guys. So you Thank guys you. did. You were a pleasure to work with. Oh, thanks. Um, 
So getting into naps a little bit, um, remind me, because it's a little bit foggy now, but what age do they start just taking two naps, and then when do you recommend that they go into one nap a day? So you're looking at three naps from anywhere up until about six to eight months of age. So it really depends on baby. Some babies can drop drop that third nap as early as six months. Some, Some as early as five months. Some never actually take it. Some really need to hang on to it till about eight months. From eight months to about... 15 months of age, you're looking at two naps a day, so morning and afternoon nap. And anywhere between 15 to 18 months, you're looking to transition down to just an afternoon nap. And then no naps, you're looking, I would normally recommend waiting till anywhere between three to five years of age. Again, it depends on child Mm -hmm. and depends on the situation if the child's in school or wherever they are to no naps when when naps are done. Okay. It will be your next. Oh my God. That sounds like a really scary phase. (laughs) (laughs) Days are longer. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to put that out there. (laughs) Yeah. Right now, Sonny sometimes, I mean, he goes to sleep at one and he won't wake up until like 3.30, 4, 4.30. Such a rock star Um, sleeper. I love it. He's so good. But what do you recommend about babies that sleep too long? Do you ever wake up a sleeping baby? I mean, I do. And I, to be honest, I wouldn't want him sleeping past three, three thirty maybe, because we want to protect bedtime, right? right? So we don't want the nap to go out too long so that now he's going down too late in bedtime. Cause really the sleep that he gets, the sleep that any baby gets from say 6 PM to midnight is the best restorative sleep that baby's going to get. Oh wow! So if okay. we start kind of taking that away and now baby's not going down till like eight or nine at night, you're missing out on all those good hours of sleep. Right. So right. Um, I normally recommend capping that nap at least three, three thirty with ours that are just with the baby the kids that are just doing the one nap mm-hmm. so that you can have that earlier bedtime. Cause you know me in early bedtime. I know like, that's what I actually wanted to ask you about because <laughs> I feel like somewhere I've gotten a little sidetracked and he's not going to sleep until seven thirty. Is that crazy? I mean, no. So he's what now? He's, he's, he's he'll be two in July. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I would, I would still recommend like at least a seven for him. Yeah. So you're not like totally off track. It's not terrible. Okay. But I would, I would like to see a seven, like seven thirty. We're normally getting into like two and a half, three years of age. Okay. Just to kind of give you my youngest are eight and they're now going to bed around eight, eight thirty. Oh, wow. So, okay. um, just to kind of give you like a time frame, you know? Yes. So yeah, I would like to see it a bit earlier, but I mean, it's not completely off the grid. No, I mean, honestly, I would like to see it earlier too, but I just wanted to. <laughs> but you got to cap that nap. If he's sleeping till like 4 or 4.30, right. we got to move that up. So once you start waking him up a bit earlier, he'll likely be able to hit that seven a lot better. Right. Okay. Gotcha. The dreaded early morning wake-ups. What are those usually attributed to and how can we get those gone? So it depends. Okay. So it depends. And typically when we're seeing early morning, the first question that I always ask parents is what time is the child going to bed? Because when we tend to see early morning wakings, it's normally because baby is going to bed too late. And I know that logically doesn't make sense because you would think if I put baby down to bed late, baby should sleep in. But what happens is, you know, babies need those 14 to 15 hours of sleep or 11 to 12 hours at night. So if, if, they're going to bed too late. They're going to bed overtired. You're going to get that restless sleep and you're actually going to see, start seeing early morning waking. So normally we have to say, okay, it maybe bedtime needs to be a bit earlier. Do we need to work on consolidating sleep throughout the day a bit better? So working on longer naps during the day or working on naps in general. Another reason why we might see early morning wakings is this, again, the season we're going into 
we tend to see them all now. May we get tons of emails from past clients being like, why is my kid all of a sudden waking up super early? And normally it's environment, right? So again, making sure the room's nice and dark, making sure the room's nice and quiet, and trying not to, especially with our older kids, so we're getting into the toddlers and the older kids, try to not reward that early waking with starting the day. So sure, your kid might wake up at 5.30, but that doesn't mean you have to start your day at 5.30, right? So with the babies, it's a bit different, but with the older kids, it's, it's important to make sure that, you know, the sleep rules are put in place and the expectations are communicated and things like toddler clocks can work really well to kind of visually cue them that it's not time to get up yet. What age do you recommend getting those toddler clocks? Because I don't think Sonny would understand that yet. No, he may not yet. I mean, I we've had kids use them as young as 18 months. Okay. He might not be there quite yet, um, but normally around two, you can start introducing them. Okay. Because, um, I mean, they're really like, you know, there's one where it's like a little bunny and um, or a moon and a sun. And so he'll, he can understand what the pictures mean. Right. You could try it with him. Okay. I mean, he's yeah. sleeping until about 645 at the moment. So we're not having. That's great. Yeah. We're not really yeah. having a huge issue, but I just want to be armed when and if that happens. And natural waking is anywhere between 6 and 7. Okay. So if he's doing 6.45, like, you're good. Anything earlier than 6 is what we kind of deem an early morning waking. So when you're seeing those 5 o'clock wakings, those 5.30 wakings, that's what we want to kind of try and push up. But what I always tell parents is your child might wake up at 6 or 5.30 or even 6.30, but that doesn't mean you have to start your day at that time. So try to not go in the room. If you mm-hmm. don't want to start your day with your child till 7, try to not go in the room until 7 if you can do it. Yeah, we definitely did that because he would wake up and cry for a little while. And then the more and more we kind of just left him in there, the more he woke up and just started playing on his own. And then sometimes we wouldn't even hear him until 7.15 or 7.30. Yeah. So that's definitely a good thing to continue to do. And, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you want your baby to – fall asleep whenever they wake up. But we also want them to learn to be happy and content in their crib and not right. need you, which is also good. Totally. And then when can we start putting in blankets and pillows and soft toys and things and, and not be scared? Because right now he sleeps with a sleep sack, which is good because I think it inhibits him from crawling out of the bed, which I'm sure he could do if he didn't wear this sleep sack. Right. But, you know, a I, sometimes I think about, gosh, wouldn't it be so much more comfortable to have a little pillow in there? So, I mean, really up until a year, there shouldn't be anything in the crib in terms okay. of like pillows, blankets, stuffed animals, things like that. After a year, you can, you know, around 18 months, you can put in a, a small little pillow um, or even a blanket. Um, so he's at that age where you can start doing that. I mean, he's probably not going to keep the blanket on himself. Right. But you can, at his age now, you can put in a little pillow if you want to, like a little toddler pillow or yeah. um a little like lightweight blanket if you don't want to. But I mean, if you're concerned about him climbing out, sleep sack is a great prevention of that. So don't take that off. Yeah. But yeah, you can put in a pillow at this stage for sure. Okay, cool. I mean, my friend yeah. said their kids are four, almost five, and she still has them in the sleep sack and they still sleep in the crib <laughs> and oh, they're not yeah, climbing well, you out. Know what? Like, there's no rush. <laughs> my twins were in their crib till almost four. Oh my if God. they're not climbing, like if safety's not an issue and they're not climbing out, Keep them in there as okay. long as you can. That was going to yeah. be my next question was when we needed to transition them to the big bed. No rush. I mean, here's the thing. If he's doing well, Sonny's a good sleeper, so I'm not concerned with him making that transition. But if anyone is, that's those that are listening, if your child is 
struggling with sleep or if you're having any kind of sleep issues with your child and you're at an age where you're like, should I make that transition? Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, provided child isn't climbing out and you're concerned about safety, don't transition them until you get the sleep issues in check. So, um, but in saying that, I mean, at Sunny's age now, like I wouldn't do it definitely before two. Um, I like to stay closer to three because I just feel like they understand sleep rules better. So if he's okay in his crib, there's no rush. And then last but not least, are there any apps to help kids fall asleep? I mean, I know we don't really promote screen time. And I actually just worked with Moshi um, Sleep Stories. Uh, they're an awesome app that will just speak these great stories. And so the kid isn't actually looking at the screen. They're just hearing them with music in the background. But I'm wondering if you have any tips for any good apps to help kids fall asleep. Yeah, I actually uh, think a lot of, there's a lot of great apps and even um, podcasts and even audiobooks like Bedtime Stories on tape that can mm-hmm. work really well for kids. Headspace is a great one. This is something that parents can download. It's really great to for the anxious kids and for um, to deal with kind of anxiety and meditation and stuff like that. Um, but there's a lot of really great books on tape, sound machines, Machines always work great. Any kind of sound that you might, it doesn't have to be a white noise sound, but any kind of consistent sound like rainfall or waterfall um, can work really well also. So I am a big believer, especially we're actually in the process of putting together um, a program for eight years old to um, tweens and teens because we're seeing so many sleep issues in that age group. We're having so many parents come to us. So I think at that age, especially a lot of great pod, not podcasts so much, but audio books and, and different apps and things like that can really help with that age group for sure. Okay. Amazing. Well, this has been so informative. It has reminded me of so many things that I forgot and also helped me to adjust sunny sleep schedule, which I've been meaning to ask you about actually for weeks and haven't. So uh, thank you so, so, so much for coming on and doing this. Where can everybody find more info about you? So everyone can check out our website and that's goodnightsleepsite.com. We have consultants throughout Canada and the U.S. We have over 20 sleep consultants so we can help families worldwide. And then on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at gnsleepsite and also my podcast, This Girl Loves Sleep, that you were so great and did a podcast episode on. Um, And you can download that anywhere that you download podcasts. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so, so much. I'll be bugging you, you, I'm sure, in the not too far out future. And we will talk soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.